Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the war room. We got Tez, Kill, Jimmy, PJ, B. Austin, the hot block commander. How you want to end up one or two hour show and keep the brain running with the premise to talk sports on a national level. Both with the topics, sort of like the rubber. When it's game time, they like the Fab Five doing prime time. Sports conglomerates speak their minds a little bit. For sports medicine and sports veterans and greats. The 4 for 26, so the war ain't can wait. It's the war room with five nights at the round table. Five silly guys, diversified and educated. Bam, bam, what's good, War Room family? Once again, live in the War Room, brought to you by War Room Sports. On the War Room Sports Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts. I'm the Bull Dev Mac, and I'm at the War Room Roundtable with my brother, B. Austin, the hot block commander. We're going to Jada and Styles this for y'all real quick this evening. What up, B? Thank you to hello. <laughs> no doubt. Look, man, that NCAA tournament is at the Sweet 16. Uh, there was major movement in the NFL this week. And, yeah, once again, sexuality is dominating the sports headlines. So uh, we're going to discuss it all. Uh, so sit back, relax, oh, bust it up again with your guys in the war room, the, the greatest man cave in the history of the planet. Uh, you can get in on the conversation yourself by signing in right now to the By the Hood chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash the war room. Or, of course, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, IG, at War Room Sports, we'll also be taking your calls in about 20 minutes because the show will be a little shorter tonight. Um, on the Digital Extreme Tech Hotline, that number as usual is 323-410-0012. So what up, fam? Um, we're going to have a Supreme Court justice named Katanji or, or nah? <laughs> they're gonna, they, I don't really think there's much of a way to not let her through and confirm her. Like, right. you know us, like, we really, we nonpartisan on this program. Like, yeah, we probably have a little bit more leanings to the Democrats, but we let our hands go on them, too. Yeah. But I say that to say the stuff that the Republicans were doing to try and discredit her, that was juvenile, man. Yeah, it was a little rough. They, 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 they got, like, they got stuck on one case. So, I, I mean, I guess that's really a compliment if we're going to waste three days and like 18 hours questioning her with the same two questions about one court case and her long history of, of court cases, then, then that's more of a compliment in my eyes, but I'm not yeah. going to front. Like it's a, like it's a one-sided thing though. I mean, you remember when the bull uh, Kavanaugh was uh, when he got nominated and they grilled him the whole time about some stuff he did at a party in high school. So, it goes both ways. <laughs> you know what the difference is, though, The difference is she's Yo. a black woman, so she kind of had to sit there and just take it and try her best to answer yeah. around it, try her best to deflect and all that kind of stuff. She don't want to look angry. She don't want right, to look angry. you can't look angry. I don't know if you remember or not, but the boy Kavanaugh, Yo, he was making facial expressions that made me afraid to ever meet Bo in, in, in real life. He was growling back at him. That's something she wouldn't be allowed to get away with. Because the whole thing is basically just, like you said, there's really not a way for them not to confirm her. Same with him almost. But this is a way to try to make her look bad, to try to smear her, 
just you know to do your left right politics and 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 yeah. just try to make her get out of character and they've been doing it the whole time and she's been doing a good job of just staying cool but i know she's like man Stay. wait until this is over like, this has to be the worst cool job calm and collected I, yeah i, I respect this I respect the yeah. hustle. It was like they they got Kavanaugh like you remember back in nineteen seventy one you played <laughs> hide the pickle with your pinky <laughs> finger with the I'm like Yo. But the thing with him was he was basically like, Eat it thick. Shut up. Like, like he was like he wasn't really saying that, but he was angry and growling back at them dudes. Like she could never a black dude could never. You know what I'm saying? So it's a whole different ball game we're playing here. Yeah, the Democrats oh, went low with him. If it was like a black, if it was a black, if it, if it was a black dude, he'd have to say, "Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate you mentioning it. I'd love to <laughs> talk you, about mother. that. I'd love to answer your question about that." Man, I asked for your, I asked for white God's forgiveness, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> so no, like, can you imagine being on like a three day? 18, 20 hour job interview where the interviewer just keeps asking you about your worst day on your job ever. Like, like, come on, man. Come on, man. And what they keep grilling her about is uh, pretty much a sexual predator, like a pedophile uh, case that she presided over where all of the recommendations from the government and from the uh, probation office was recommending at least 18 months of uh, jail time for the offender, and she gave him three months. I kept trying to look it up because dude's name is Wesley Hawkins, so I was just assuming he was black, and maybe, you know, she did him a sentence in solid, solid because he was black. So, you know, in no way am I mad at that, even though when it comes to the kids, I don't really care what color you are when it comes to the babies. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. should be thrown when it comes when it comes when it comes to kids, all the all the all the racial pride goes out the window. Right. All the retribution, like, right. I don't care now, what happens. Now, this was like a, a a gun charge. You know, just you you got arrested because you had a gun on your person when you got pulled over or something like that. Oh yeah, like, hashtag, I would love Oh yeah, hashtag like, hashtag you know, free I, whatever I, name. Right, free, I know the though. Like, all right, yeah, she gave this dude who didn't have any priors. A chance to to not have his whole life ruined. Uh, when it comes to the babies, that's a little bit different. So I kind of understand, like, why that would come up. But to dwell on it for, like, three days, like, look, man, she answered it every which way she could. Y'all just want everybody who tunes in at every portion of this thing to hear something about this. And that's all that was. Um so, yeah, so like I said, I can't justify the three-month sentence for somebody messing with the babies either. But, um, yeah, it, it it is what it is at this point, man. All right, but shout-out to her. Uh, hope you, you, you get and, – and, you know, our people coming at her and everybody else too um, because, you know, she she's married to a white dude. So people keep oh. grouping her in with the Kamala's and the – the AOC, don't she? She got her a white dude. Yeah, um, she wanted them. So, they, the so basically, she got herself a white dude. They're just there. To, they're just there to protect Massa. <laughs> no, yeah, so, so, so our people are starting to go at her a little bit too. 
Um, I mean, because, you know, in situations like this, a lot of us, we just blindly follow, blindly support just because of the symbolism. Yeah. And, and, and the country yeah. has trained us to do that because we're not used to seeing our faces in these in these spaces. But, um, you know, some people, there's a no tolerance policy, so they putting her out there. Only thing I, I I tell you, B, is the captions on some of this stuff. It really doesn't make sense because they're talking about, yeah, these people radical in the streets, but but colonized in the sheets. That's one of them I saw. I saw another one that says, you know, they spew I'm all of this. Using that. I know, but they say they spew all of this and then go home to this. But if you think about it, everybody that they're putting on those type of things, like Kamala ain't never been on no pro-black talk, you know what I'm saying? Right. Don Lemon right. just like defended a black person for the first time like two years ago. Like so Yeah. I understand like, okay, if you have no tolerance for the mixing, that's one thing, but you can't put something on mm-hmm. these people. You know what I'm saying? You can't put our thinking that and ideology that not. on somebody just because they look like us because they never <clears throat> proclaim to be that. You know what I mean? I can see if Kamala was out there, you know, on her, you know, <laughs> Malcolm X type stuff, but you know that's not her, because then it'll be a big, you know, contradiction of what you supposedly stand for. But you know, we yeah. we, we can't put that stuff on them people. All right, man. Either way, man, before we get started, we just got to remind you guys that whether you're with us live or not, anytime on demand, you can still check out archive episodes of our show. And all of our partner shows on the War Room Sports Podcast Network, either on our own website at warroomsports.com or on one of the many major podcast listening platforms. So there is never, ever an excuse to miss an episode with your guys in the War Room. There's never an excuse, if you're a hip-hop fan, to miss an episode of Tissue in the Tape with Phil Maddock and Savad. Uh, there's never an excuse, if you're a Philly sports fan, to miss an episode of The Broad Street Line with Roy and Chris. Superstars with Big E, H, and Soup, and shout out to Dante as well. Um, if you're a call, if you call yourself a foodie, never an excuse to miss an episode of John Appetit with the Burtons. If you call yourself a movie lover, there's never, ever an excuse to miss an episode of On the Couch with the Wilsons. So y'all know what we're trying to do. Well, Basically, what he's saying is there's no we, we practice a no excuse policy. Yeah, like no excuses. Excuses. We're done with the excuses, man. So. Do you do your thing, you know, if you're in the good listening. I hear a lot of companies is starting to force people back to work. So if you need something to listen to on your commute, if you need something to listen to on your job, the War Room Sports Podcast Network got you. All right, so let's get into these hot topics, man. Hot topics are brought to you, as they are every week, by my bookie. For all you degenerate gamblers out there, it's time for you to make some sports money betting with us at my bookie. If you still haven't checked out my bookie, then it's time to stop wasting time and place yourself a bet. Lay down some bread on all the biggest games in sports by joining us, the War Room, and thousands of other online players placing bets at mybookie.ag. No excuses when you win. We talked about excuses for the last five minutes. No excuses. You get paid fast. You get no hassle. They even have in-game live betting so you can place wagers after the game starts. So join now, and my bookie will match uh, 50% of your first deposit up to $1,000. So just use the promo code WARROOM, all caps, one word, to activate this offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Play, win, and get your bread. That's all there is to it. All right, so brief NCAA tournament check-in. Um, we are up 
to the Sweet 16, which tips off this evening. Uh, shout out to Neil and Skyview in the chat room as, as well. Uh, shout out. Um, <laughs> Kamala Harris, straight pimp HU. Yeah, she, she definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. support uh, to help Joe Biden <laughs> get in the office. But, um, yeah, so we're, we're at the Sweet 16 now, man. Um couple of surprises in there. I think the biggest surprise in the Sweet 16 right now is uh, St. Peter's from uh, New Jersey. Coached by, remember Shaheen Holloway, B? Yeah. Yeah, Shaheen Holloway is the head coach of St. Peter's. St. Peter's beat Kentucky and ah, who else did they beat to get there? One second, I got ashamed. Kentucky ought to be ashamed of itself. Well, I mean, you know what it is. Uh, while while it's while it's quite shameful at the same time, you know, most of them dudes from Kentucky that probably was crying the other day are going to be lottery picks soon. Uh, the dudes at St. Peter's going to be at St. Peter's for like five years, getting master's degree. So, you know, they're going to be they're going to be grad assistant coaches. Talking about <laughs> you remember when? Yeah, it definitely it definitely levels to this. But um some of the games that will be tipping off this evening, we got the number 1 seed Gonzaga versus number 4 seed Arkansas. Number 2 seed Philly's own Villanova versus the number 11 seed Michigan. Number 2 seed Duke, uh Coach K, you know, every game that he plays in this tournament could be his last game ever. Um, so he has won and, and lived to see another day. They'll be playing the three-seed Texas Tech. So, you know, it won't be any easy sledding for them. The number one seed, Arizona, facing the number five seed, Houston. And the games tomorrow, number three, Purdue versus number 15, the aforementioned St. Peter's. We'll see if their Cinderella story can continue. Thank number you. one seed, Kansas, versus the number four seed, uh, Providence. Number four, UCLA versus number eight seed, North Carolina. Um, and the number 10 seed, Miami, uh, will face the number 11 seed, Iowa. So uh, three of the four number one seeds are still alive uh, in the tournament. So we'll see, you know, see how that, how that goes, man. You got any favorites here? Who you got if you had to pick somebody out of this Sweet 16 to win it all? Who are you going with? St. Pete. St. <laughs> Pete. The, the, the Pete. lowest seed left in the tourney to win lowest it all? Lowest seed left. I'm I would love to Saint see Pete. that, man. I mean, you know, I root for the love to every year, man. And, you know, sometimes we've seen them get as far as, like, the final eight and fizzle out. Um, I think that happened here. Didn't George Mason make the final eight one year? I yeah, I when they had the uh, the big, the big smiling, crowd friendly uh, African brothers at center. But um, yeah, and I would I would really love Brown. to see what they consider a quote unquote mid major actually go all the way and win one of these tournaments, man. It would be the joy of my life. I would love to see that before I, I leave this place. A true a true mid major. Yeah, like. Yeah. You know they still they still trying to consider Gonzaga mid major, F O H. Yeah, and Gonzaga, you know, yeah, tired of seeing them 
anyway. Um, because they they were supposed to have won it by now. Like, all right, we're done with all this mid-major stuff. As far as basketball is concerned, y'all are a program now. Like, y'all rank number one every year at some point. So I'm not trying here. All right, so probably the one of the bigger stories in sports over the past few weeks. And it's not a new story, but it's just picked up steam over the last few weeks. And, um, you know, it, it's very polarizing in nature. We talked about it a little bit, but I guess we got to give it a few more bars because, you know, like I said, a lot of other people are starting to speak about it. And that is about swimmer Leah Thomas. Um, who have who has recently become NCAA's first transgender D1 champion in any sport. Uh, Leah Thomas is a swimmer. Uh, the the crazy part about this and what a lot of people like finding out details have been talking about lately is the fact that um, and this Leah Thomas she is uh, from the University of Pennsylvania. Now when she was still in school at Penn as a man competing in swimming. Um, he was ranked 462 in the men's men's, uh, swimming. I've seen this story on a cursory level, and I've left it alone. I didn't realize these details. I'm sorry, go ahead. As a woman, she's ranked number one in the nation. She finished um, the the race that won her the the championship, the 500-yard freestyle. Um, She finished in four minutes, 33 Four minutes, wait a minute, 33 seconds, which beat Virginia's Emma Wyant by 1.75 seconds, and the time fell short of Katie Ledecky's NCAA record time of 4.24.06. But we know what Katie Ledecky is hitting for. Katie Ledecky is the best in the world. You know what I'm saying? So um, a lot of people have come out to speak about this. Even Caitlyn Jenner has come out to speak about it, and I don't necessarily think Caitlyn Jenner has said what a lot of people probably expected um, Caitlyn Jenner to say. Let me uh, read that statement from Caitlyn Jenner. She said, I'm firmly behind protecting women's sports. We cannot have biological boys competing against women. It's bad for the trans community. Um, She went further to say, uh, he was on the men's team only a few years ago and is now beating women by two laps for being irresponsible and continuing to compete despite the controversy. She said, when you do transition and you do go through this, you have to take responsibility and you have to have integrity. I don't know why she's doing this. I respect her right 100% to live her life authentically, but I don't think she's being responsible with this. I'll admit it is somewhat suspicious that athletes like Thomas and the New Zealand weightlifter Laurel Hubbard make the decision to transition and bid to compete in female events after it has become obvious they will not be successful in men's competition. Are you surprised to hear Caitlin say that, and do you agree? Um, one million percent I agree, but surprised surprise to hear her, him, it say that and so for me what really what really seals the deal i'm i'm against it period point blank i'm against it you're born 
a biological boy, you will die a biological boy. I don't care how much how many pipes you take out of the house or how you reconfigure the plumbing. You are a biological male. What really illegitimizes their position is that they competed as men. They competed as men transitioned to compete as women. That is disrespectful to competitive greatness in my eyes. Right. Okay. So let me read some other stuff, some some research. Uh, I forgot who to give credit to on this one, but they actually got the the you know the stats from something called milesplit.com. Now they were just, uh, and this was this was this was uh, on the track about like what the differences would be from competing in like boys high school track versus girls high school track. So they said for those who do not understand the extent of this, excuse me, this advantage, um, listen to the stats. Not only would three to six thousand male high school athletes rank first in the female rankings in each event, but hundreds of them would smash the women's professional world record in that event each year. So they said 11.9, this is for track, 11.09 for the 100 meters, that would make you the girls number one. And boys, that would rank you 2,937. In the 400 meter, 52 seconds, 52.54 would make you the girls number one. That would make you 6,661 in the boys. In the 1,600 meters, four minutes, 37 seconds would make you girls number one. In the boys, that would rank you 5,482nd. <laughs> you get where I'm going with this. They, they continue with the long jump and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's just not the same. So we say in society we want everything to be fair and equal, but men and women, male and female, we just weren't built the same. Of course, there are some males out there who fair, weren't fair given is not the gifts and, and not can't fair. compete with women on, on a certain level. But as an overall you know, gender, males were given more physical, athletic gifts than women. So it's very unfair to be born a biological male, fail at the stuff you're doing athletically, you know, in that genre, and then, you know, switch over. I'm not saying people are switching over just to do that, but we live in a crazy world. We live in a copycat world. Do you do you think for a minute, B, that one day that won't become a thing where some people are transitioning just for athletic dominance think about a day Listen. when women's sports find a way to to generate more revenue and they're paid millions and millions of dollars to play sports do you think that this won't become a thing one day because i i, I see I, i've seen people do Listen. stuff for less michael sam if 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 lfl would allow it michael sam would have would have been changed it up um I definitely can see it. I definitely can see it on the horizon, and I'm not too sure that any of these people 
didn't factor that in to that transition. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I, I, I don't, you know, they have the platform and the ability to content that can reach the masses and explain themselves, and maybe they're genuine, maybe they're disingenuine, genuine, I don't know. But from my vantage point, that's a, that's a factor in the decision. It's a factor in the decision, especially for the level of sport that they compete at, period. Well, um, Cheryl Kuki, a professor of American Studies and Women's Gender and Sexuality at Purdue University, wrote a think piece for uh, NBCNews.com. And somewhere in this think piece, she says she should be embraced in the history of progress that sports represent and recognize as the trailblazer that she is. She even went as far as to say, like, she should be celebrated the same way Jackie Robinson is celebrated. That's from Cheryl Kuki. And to me, I say that's Kuki talk. Um, this is just not the same thing. And we always cross these lines when we're trying to equate uh, LGBTQ plus rights versus civil rights. Like, I, I always say that. Like, I'm, I'm sensitive because I'm a black person and because of civil rights, I'm sensitive to everybody's struggle if they have a struggle. I'm sensitive to everybody's oppression if they really have some form of oppression. And I'm not saying that the, the gay community, the, the LGBTQ community doesn't have a struggle, doesn't have um, oppression. But be you, you and I have had this argument with somebody from that community that we respect immensely. We've sat in a bar and had this argument. Remember in Toronto, Canada, where he was trying to equate that Absolutely. with the civil rights movement. The difference is, and it has always been, your sexuality pretty much is your business. And if you choose to, business you can hide choice. that. You can hide that because there is a choice. I can't hide being black. When I walk my black ass outside every day, that oppression is natural because people see what I am from the door and judge me from what they see me as. What they see, yeah. Um, I could be... I could be the gayest dude around. I walk out the house. You don't know that. You don't know that. You know what I'm saying? We've seen people that we thought, you know, just because of the stereotypes of gay men, flamboyancy. We've seen people that we thought were gay and and found out weren't gay. So it's like you can hide that. You can choose to um, suppress that. You can choose to do whatever. But I cannot choose to not be black. So civil rights versus you know, LGBTQ rights, not the same fight. Respect your fight, but it's not the same fight. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, listen, well, well said, well spoken. Um, I take a little bit more. I take umbrage. I'm, I'm, I feel as though to a certain extent, that community has co-opted the human rights and civil rights battle. Um, I feel as though no one should or mistreated based on their sexuality or gender. I, I, I completely feel that way. But to your point, what you do in your bedroom and who you love is your business 
And it's your choice as to whether you proclaim that or hide that. It really is between you, that person, and God. None of my business. My blackness is something that I bear. Tiny percent of black people that could hide being black if they so choose to hide being black. I can't I can't hide these big lips, this broad nose, this beautiful skin, this long mind. But I can't hide any of it. I can't. Nor do I want to. But I cannot. I can't. And so it it, it and 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 to a point and, and I know that the argument will be made that well we face the same thing, but we have literally been let our humanity has been legislated out of the so-called greatest country on earth. We literally it was put in the law books that we're three fifths of a human being, which is why I I also take issue with the argument that slavery here is the same as slavery everywhere, chattel slavery even, because what this was was a hybrid, and it wasn't slavery. They were trying to create a beast, and that essence permeates American culture. It permeates world culture, but particularly American culture, and that's what we face as black people. And to have someone stand up and not only draw parallels and compare and contrast, but but say it's the same thing. It, it's, it's it's insulting. Yeah, and, and like I said, it's not just. And, and there are people. There is hatred out there for the LGBTQ plus community. There's definitely hatred out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. But to, but to, but to interject Jackie Robinson's name into the conversation, um, that's crazy to me because, like you said, Jackie Robinson wasn't getting spat on and uh, called names and stuff thrown at him and not even really welcome in his own locker room because he went in there and said, I like boys. He just went in there and was himself. He walked in there with that black skin and, you know, nobody wanted any parts of that. He didn't have to tell you his business. You might not have known a damn thing about Jackie except for what he looked like, and you knew from what he looked Jackie like that he might was a have black. Been gay. So it's but we yeah, don't know that's that. what I'm saying. But we don't know it that. Don't even matter. His teammates didn't have to know his sexuality. They didn't have to know his partner's name. They didn't have to know where he lived. They didn't have to know where he was from. All they had to see was his was his dark skin, and that was enough for the hatred. So, like I said, I, I sympathize with and, and empathize with. Their struggle is just not the same in the fact that, you know what I'm saying, we can't hide what we are. And for decades, and it shouldn't have to be this way, but for decades, a lot of gay people were hiding, you know, what they what they were because they could. You know, shout out to trailblazers like Harvey Milk and them from, that was fighting this fight back in the day. Um, before a lot of people might have gotten the impression of like what you said. Like there's a lot of people that feel that way about the co-op, co-opting of the movement. But it's not that they didn't have a movement. Like they've always had a movement, but they've kind of found a way to get out in front of, 
you know, movements that have been going on long before that. And it might be a power thing. It's because of who we are and what we look like that we will never, ever fully get the power, you know, to to do exactly what we want to do here. So, I mean, that's a part of it. Like, we're still going through that stuff for stuff that we can't hide. Can't hide being black. All right. So that's been, you know, big in in sports this week. You know, we've talked about this similar things for over the past 12 years. Um, What was it, back in 2008, 2009, maybe before that, um, the transgender MMA fighter Fallon Fox uh, went into the ring and cracked the skull of a female opponent. And that female was saying, like, I've never felt that kind of strength in the octagon before. Like, it's different. She was like, and I'm an abnormally strong woman myself. But when she grabbed me and the grasp that she had me in, like, I had never felt that kind of strength in the octagon. Like, there is a difference. So, like, especially in these, like, combat sports, like, we got to get a hold of this um, before somebody, like, really, really, really gets hurt or worse. Um, we got to think about what we're doing out here. Um, we talked about a few months ago the, the transgender basketball player. Actually, it's a 50-year-old man who, with, you know, two or three kids, he transitioned and went back because he – he had eligibility as a women's basketball player. So he's playing at Mission College, a 50-year-old transgender woman, um, not to mention, I believe, he's six foot five. <laughs> yo, so, like, yo, it, yo, some of this stuff is just, yo, you know, it's crazy. Like, yo, everyone who I'm, does yo. this is not going to have a great advantage because every man is not born with, like, super gifts. But... Overall, it's just not. It's just Yo. not fair. It's just not fair. And I, I don't think it's I good for the transgender community. I think it makes them look bad. It's not. It makes. And that's what is. Caitlin was you saying. You don't take them serious. All right. So uh, big news this week in the NFL. Man, there were a couple of big trades, but the biggest one, man, your man Tyreek Hill, has been traded from the Chiefs to the Miami Dolphins for five draft picks, a 2022 first round, a second round, a fourth round, and then a fourth and sixth round picks in the 2023 draft. Um, After the trade was completed, the Dolphins gave Tyreek Hill an extension, four years, $120 million, making him – the highest-paid wide receiver in NFL 80, history. 80, how, $80, million, $80 million guaranteed, I believe. How shocked were you when this came up? Because it seemed like it all happened in like a half an hour. Like we heard the reports um, came out, the streets came out that the Chiefs are putting uh, Tyreek Hill on the block. It's possible that Tyreek Hill could be dealt five minutes um, later. Completely. The Jets and the Dolphins Com- are interested. They could make a deal for him five minutes later. He's a dolphin. So how long was this really in the works, Pete? <laughs> oh man, this is this has been going on for uh for a while now. Completely and utterly shocked. But let me tell you why the Chiefs win in this situation. The Chiefs made a brilliant play. So the production that they 
received from Tyreek Hill. Six years in his 20s, a fourth-round draft pick, and $40 million to have one of the top receivers, a top weapon for Patrick Mahomes, win a Super Bowl, dude in the league. become a comp- – huh? I said one of the be- fastest dudes in the league, if not the Fastest dudes in- ever. Win a Super Bowl, that's what they got. Now I'm going to show you, our listener, the difference between a winning franchise culture and how they use and utilize their roster positioning, their talent, and draft draft assets. So now this guy hits 28 years old, looks at Devontae Adams, looks at Allen Robinson, looks at Cooper Cut, looks at all these guys out there, and says, I'm worth being the top paid receiver in, in, in the world. So now when he comes into the season, next season, he will be 29, I believe, Devin. You can check that. I could, I could be wrong. But you're basically paying someone $30 million for the next four years. In the third year of that contract, he'll be 31 maybe 32. Will he still be productive? Probably. Will he still be one of the fastest men in the league? Probably. But do you believe in that time that Tariq yeah. Hill at 30 million a season will he make the Dolphins March 1st. 28, okay. 29, March 1st, so he'll be so he'll be 32. 31, 31, about 31, 32 years old, right? So he could he could pro, in theory at 32, he could still be in his prime. Backside of his prime, but he could still be in his prime. Do you believe that Tariq Hill will make the Dolphins a Super Bowl contender? No, I'm going to answer it for you. No, you don't. Do you believe that Tariq Hill will make the, the, the Dolphins a, a perennial championship competitor in the AFC? I'm going to answer that for you as well, although there is a slight chance. No, you don't. You don't believe it. Like, there's no chance they go to the Super Bowl. But there's a very well, minuscule chance that they become a perennial competitor, right? Ask me this, though, B. They had one, one question you're forgetting. Ask me if any quarterback on their roster can, Yo. you know, fully utilize what he brings to Right. Which is why, as soon as they said he was on the market, here go your Eagles fan brethren. Oh, man, we got the capital. We got the draft capital to make a, make a run for Tyreek Hill. For who? For why? So he can, so he can sit Yo, there and, and watch uh, Jalen Hurts. For those that don't, shout those out to Hank and watch his ducks fall out of the sky. Watch his lame ducks fall out of the sky, ten yards in front of him. Like Yo, what? For those that don't, NFL quarterbacking and the level of arm and arm strength, right? So guys that can really that have hand rockets, a guy like Tariq Hill runs a deep route and does the cliche take the top off of the defense, man, they let that thing fly at about 30 yards downfield, 40 yards downfield, and Tariq ends up catching it at 70 yards, right? At 70. 60 to 70, hell, some of them 75. That's a strong-armed guy. That's the way you do it, right? A guy like Tua, a guy like uh, Hertz, a guy like Chad Pennington, and God bless him, Mr. Magic. What's uh what's the the Harvard QB's name? Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic. <laughs> Guys like that have to throw the ball early 
So for them, a bomb on a nine route with a guy like Tariq Hill, man, he's throwing that ball when Tariq hits five yards down the field. Tariq going to be catching 30-yard bombs, 35-yard bombs, because their arm isn't strong enough to hold the ball long enough to take advantage of Tariq's speed. So then what happens? Defenses scheme for that. They realize that, and they're sitting at 30 right. yards. I was about to say, how, how, and they're picking how much those, pass a defender are you going to be at 35 yards? Yeah. The, the safety, the corner's still there, and the safety's arriving, even though Tariq is, the guy's arm's not strong enough. So now Tua, so Tariq took the money, as he should have, as he should have. But he basically has said, all right, I got a Super Bowl. If I want another one, it's going to come after this contract. It's going to come me going somewhere else later on in my career because for the next four years, I ain't winning. With a team that's already ready and just need a couple more pieces. I'm going to get this. I'm going to go ahead and get this money. I'm not mad at Tariq at all. I'm not mad. He got to go get his money. Right. But the quarterbacks on on his roster right now are Tua and Teddy Bridgewater, neither of which (laughs) has a Tariq Hill type arm. Tua, Tua can't. Tua can't throw that far, and I don't know where Teddy, how far Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater can throw. Cause Teddy refused, Bridgewater won't he throw that far even throw. if he can. <laughs> it, even if he can, he's not throwing it further than seven yards. There's danger around them there corners. I'm only throwing it five yards. Yeah, so they're, they basically have put him in an offense and on a team where you can't even utilize 60% of what he does well. I give the, the young boy all types of props and credit, though, Dev, because when he came in the league, all he could do was run. He was like, he had no game. He has pure hands. He can catch, and he's turned into a very good route runner. For a guy that doesn't even need to be a great route runner, he's a he's a very good route runner now. He's kind of become a complete receiver. So it almost feels like a waste for him going to a quarterback that can't even take advantage of the fact that, you know, he has all of these tools. The Chiefs, on the other hand, brilliant move. It's going to hurt the Hell first yeah. two years. But the draft picks that they got back, listen, I don't need Tariq Hill. Just give me somebody that can run a four-two-eight, and we'll figure out the whole take the top off the defense. Let's develop. And, and they and they if, did because they just picked up uh, Scantling, the former Green Bay Bull who yeah. was the only person last season who was clocked in any game to be running faster than Tariq Hill. They said Tariq Hill topped yeah. off on one game at like 21 miles per hour, Scantling at 22 miles per hour. So they picked up so him. You got, you got they got Juju Smith-Schuster in the, in the slot, and you got five picks, five extra picks over the next two years. Five so to me, picks that looks so, like so it's, a team It's a brilliant. won it's a brilliant the Super Bowl two it's years ago, B. Won the Super Bowl two years ago and was very close to, you know, was in the Super Bowl again and lost, and then was very close to the Super Bowl again. And it, realizing, and if you let okay, Andy, we can get rid of an Andy asset, have his way, get deeper and get better. And and if yeah, you let so Andy I, I have his way, he gonna spend four of them five picks on offensive and defensive line. Right, but but B, did you realize like what you said? culture thing it's a it's a difference in culture because you have a team yep. who's still a super bowl contender windows still open who went out and was able to make their team deeper 
you know, through the draft and keep their window open a little bit longer, whereas you have a team in Miami who just went and got the sexy guy, gave him all of this money, and you don't even have yo, the right guys to yo, even listen, throw him the They ball. have no interest in winning. They just <laughs> here to sell tickets. You don't they have the right guys. We got a new animal. Come ball. see our cheetah in the zoo. Come see the cheetah. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we, we're in agreement with that um, as far as it being a great move. I, I know Chiefs fans don't really want to hear that right now because they're used to having, you know, that sexy offense and that type of speed and that big name but they will be better for it in the long run. If they want to keep competing for championships, this is the kind of move you got to make, man. You got one dude where you can get five picks still, and he's more dependent on your quarterback than your quarterback is dependent on him. You got to pull that trigger, man. Receivers can be replaced. The only receiver receiver I would ever consider paying $30 million a year to is a guy that I don't even acknowledge that he exists because he had chicken on a football help. <laughs> the chicken it ain't nobody else I'm giving $30 million a season to. Right. I don't even – not even Randy. So not look, even Randy. Not even T.O. I can't do that. I can't do it. After 14 years, uh, the Atlanta Falcons are moving on from Matt Ryan. They traded him Monday to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2022 third-round pick. Um that's better than what the Eagles got for Donut McGlaze when they first got rid of him in the division. Um, very disrespectful. So it looks like the Colts. Yes, so. that looks like, it looks like it looks like the Falcons respected dude a little bit more because let's not act like let's not act like um, uh, what's that squad? It's not like the Saints don't need a quarterback. Um, it was almost a possibility that um, that the Buccaneers would have needed a quarterback. Um, and it's not much going on down in uh, in Charlotte right now. So, you know, it, it wasn't the same type of thing. So what do you think about the Colts picking up Matt Ryan? That's kind of like they tried it for a year with an older guy and, and um, uh, what's the former Charger quarterback's name who went there for oh, a year? Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. And then they thought they had their guy with Carson Wentz. They've given up on the Wentz wagon, so we're going to try Matt Ryan for a year or two. You think it's a good move for them? I think it's a great move. I think it's a sneaky great move. I think Matt Ryan has two high-quality years left and potentially even a third in the right system. The Colts have the best, one of the best offensive line, and they have the best running game caveat being Derrick Henry, you know, is is, is being injured. But and, but Jonathan Taylor is amazing. They have a great running game, a great line. They have a decent receiver in Pittman. If they can upgrade, and I don't know how they do this, if they can upgrade and get one more wide-out weapon in there, I think – so so. Uh, they just and, gave and us one of them. They gave about, us Pasha. You know how I feel about Wentz. You know how I feel about Wentz. I still think Wentz could have a good career. But Matt, Matty Ice, I don't believe he loses those last two games. Matty Ice puts the Colts in the playoffs in those last, in those last two games that, that the Colts have. So with that being said, I think Matt makes them an 11-12 to 12 win team. I think Matt wins them games. Now, I don't know what he does 
deep in the playoffs, but I think this is a great move for the team they have. He's he's a game manager plus. He's a game manager plus. I think he can make one or two amazing throws still, but he's not going to lose you any games. I, I, and you've got a great run game. I, I think it's a great move for them. Great move. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. Maybe not as great as you think it, but I think it's – first of all, I think for a lot of these teams who are going the older route with the stopgap quarterback, I think it's cool because this year doesn't – you know, this isn't supposed to be the year of – great quarterbacks in the draft anyway. So everybody can reevaluate and go into next year's draft, which is supposed to be a very good uh, quarterback draft. So now everybody, depending on where you fall in the the draft order, you know, you can see what you need to do, what kind of draft capital you need to build up, what kind of draft capital you might need to give up to go and get what you need, which is another reason, okay, the Eagles didn't find anything. You know You know how we feel about Jalen Hurts. This is another reason he's going to get another year. Like, they're, they're giving us the lip service of being confident, dude. They're just waiting. They're just waiting until a better move can be made. Um, they didn't get any of the veterans that were out there this offseason. You best believe the Eagles are going to draft a quarterback next year. If they don't, they're just not too bright unless dude has, like, some great – season next year. Hey, I'm rooting for him to do that because he's on our team. I just don't foresee that happening. Um he gonna he's gonna have an army an army an army out of me. He's gonna get a new arm. Pretty much. Um Scott gonna get a brain in the chat room he said the Colts think Matty Ice is Andrew Luck. I don't necessarily think that they think that. Um <laughs> they just Hell think no, they don't think that better than what they had at least for the moment before they can get a better draft pick. Um, and he says, shout out to, to Bridgewater. He keeps a job. He damn sure does. Bridgewater is about to be the new Tyrod Taylor. Shout out to David Garrard. Yeah, Tyrod. Uh, as a fa- as a matter of fact, because um, your man's still floating around. He where did he just get a he just got a job somewhere. Um, not David Ooh, Garrard, T-Mobile? but the, the the no, well, T-Mobile keep a job. But the modern day David Garrard. What's the ball? Brissett. <laughs> Brissett. Oh, Jacoby. Yeah, Jacoby, yeah, he, he just uh, signed somewhere. As signed De- I think he signed in Denver. It might have been Denver. Yeah, whoever just got a – yeah, they got Russ, and then they signed Brissett as the backup. So um, shout out to them. I honestly, I honestly wanted to see Jacoby Brissett have an opportunity – to become a starter on in a sustained situation and see what he could develop into, I did. Yeah, but they're, not, they're never going to give him the chance. <laughs> they're never going to give him the chance. But they respect him at least as a as a you know a backup, one of the better backups in the league. But they're never going to hand the keys over to him uh, long term. Skyview said, "Who's checking for Baker Mayfield though? Those commercials must go on." <laughs> Yo, Baker Mayfield might as well just go to Hollywood though, because he's very good at that. Like his commercials are very entertaining. He's a pretty good actor. Yo, but what would, you, would you would you take a flyer on Baker? Being uh, being as though you have be, Jalen Hurts, I'm a, Baker better I'm than Jalen. I'm gonna be objective. Hurts? Yeah, he's better than Jalen. Yeah, he's way better. Um, I'm gonna be objective here. Like I don't keep it a thousand. I don't like Baker Mason. Like I don't like. Him. I don't like. Him. But. He but you don't think he's enough. a bum, is what you want to say. 
Because I don't think. No, he's no, no. He's not a bump. Nah, he's not a bump. He's a. There's 32 teams in the NFL. He is a starting quality quality and starting caliber QB. He is. He's not and a number one overall pick. Not a number not one overall pick. The superstar, his endorsement sheet would tell you he is. But he's not a yes. No. He's not what so he thinks what, he what's is, happening <laughs> what what's happening right now, it, it's and it's hurting it's probably bruising his ego, but it will end up being a good thing for whoever picks him up. Because now he's got that chip back on his shoulder as opposed to just humbling himself. He's just going to be a, a workaholic, I believe. But teams know. <laughs> double down on being a dick. Teams know <laughs> that the Browns have to release him or let him go. You can't keep him on the roster at $19 million a season. So why am I going to shoot you any draft pick? It's, it's hard for him from a we didn't already from ego standpoint. Because you know he got to go. We can't afford both of these dudes. Yeah. So he's going to end up a starter easily. Pittsburgh, he starts. Shit, should say come to Philly, he starts. I, I don't want that, but he'd he be better. So anywhere, in he he anywhere, anywhere in Pennsylvania, he starts. Anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania, he starts. Uh, he's, pro- he's starting anywhere in the state of New York. Um. He should probably be starting most places in Florida, uh, certainly not Tampa. But he's he's a starting quality talent and QB. Um, he's just not he's just not first pick worth. That's it. All right. That's so um, uh, NBA news, man. That New York City vaccine mandate it hasn't been lifted, but it has been altered. It's been altered so that uh, New York-based performers and athletes who play for New York's home teams will be exempt from the city's vaccination mandate for private businesses. So that means as of Sunday, Kyrie Irving will be back on the floor at the Barclays Center. Personally, I don't think – like people are like, oh, Kyrie won. I don't think Kyrie's too happy about that. I, like, I think Kyrie enjoys being a part-time um, Yo, but what do you think Yo. about the mayor lifting this part of the mandate? Like, what do you think that's about? Um, it's about yo, COVID is over. Whether it's over or not, in reality, perception, yo, COVID is over. Kyrie is time to get back to work. Now, the thing with Kyrie, Kyrie benefits from being able to play part time. He's at the stage of his career where he's not a spry young chicken. He's not old. He's in the middle of his prime. But he's had enough injuries to where him not having to play the home games actually allows him to rest. And he's probably averaging like 50 over his last four games. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably fresher than he's ever been at this point in the season. Where he coming in, he probably feel like, yo, he's probably 10, 15 games into the season. He feel real good. Now he's going to have to play those back-to-backs. He's going to have to, you know. And, and and listen, they're going into playoff season, so right. it's probably the right time. Anyway. It probably works. Probably works yeah. for them. Yeah, because there's only, a, you know, a few home games left anyway. So now it's just playoffs, and you want to play in all of them because you don't want to put your team at a disadvantage where, you know, they only have – 
they have a better team of winning while you're there, and they got to struggle without you when you're not there. Um, but I'll tell you exactly what this is about, because people are thinking like, ah, uh, they they the the mayor talked tough all this time, but then uh, he buckled for for one player. This ain't got nothing to do with Kyrie Irving. This got something to do with the MLB check being over and the Yankees being the most important team in that town. This is for potential unvaccinated New York Yankees. The baseball season is about to, to, to start. Completely and agree with you. you. Know what Yankees baseball is hitting for in the city of New York. You got the Mets too. Our, but our it doesn't friend, hit the same way our, as the Yankees. Our, this a lot of our fan base. The possibility. A of lot of our fan base Yankees. and friends are black and may not be as baseball enthusiasts. So we're thinking it's about Kyrie. To your point, it ain't got nothing to do with Kyrie. It ain't got nothing to do, to do with the they real team. Strong, yo. They stood strong. Bull was even saying slick stuff about Kyrie the whole time. The mayor. They say something about, well, you can't do this. Or, you know, you can't make an exception. He was like, well, yeah, we can make an exception. Kyrie, go get vaccinated, and then you can play. He was saying all kinds of slick stuff. This is about the New York Yankees. <laughs> the New York Yankees have way more flex and power in this city than the Brooklyn Nets at this particular time, even over the New York Mets, and I would even dare say over the New York Knicks. <laughs> the, the, the New York Yankees in, in, in my estimation, is why. Even though, listen, even though the Knicks are, even though the Knicks are, are back, two weeks away from the Yankees, ain't never left. And, and he made the announcement at uh, City Field where the Mets play. Well, this is about baseball. Well, you know, a lot of them dudes, you know, them foreign dudes in the team. A lot of them dudes ain't vaccinated. But they'll be damned if y'all gonna, you know, interfere with New York and Yankees baseball. So. I think that's all this crazy and wild shit going on in the world. These games of amusement are needed. Right. Kyrie just benefits from it. Well, at least the Nets benefit from it because they get Kyrie back. So uh, shout out to them. We'll see. Um, Quick. I want to spend more than 30 seconds on this, but does this like, should everybody in the Eastern conference be afraid now? Does this catapult the currently eighth seeded playing game having um, Brooklyn Nets, does this make them the best team in the Eastern Conference? Or should it make them um, the most no. team in the, in the conference? Yes. Fear, feared, yes. That's, Offensively no. feared. Um, weapons. Fear. I, I don't – if I'm any team, I don't want to play them early. But I'll tell you this much, it does not make them a serious championship contender. Not at all. Not at all. all right. So we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that, you know, next week because um, we're, we're going to get into the final stretch of the NBA season, and they're going to be a big story in the final stretch. So we're definitely going to circle back around and, and talk to that. Um, our stat of the week, man, LeBron Raymond James still moving up in the record books. He surpasses Karl Malone for number two on the NBA all-time scoring list. He's currently sitting at 36,985 points. And in his 19th season in the NBA at age 37, um, he is currently uh, leading the league in scoring by a few percentage points over Joel Embiid and uh, Giannis the Freak Antetokounmpo. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that race plays out over the last few weeks of the season. I think LeBron has a legitimate uh, advantage right now because 
even though the playing game is still in their reach, he's still more in a situation where he's not playing for anything in comparison to what those other guys are playing for. And even LeBron said it the other day. He said, you know, he's, he's basically saying his life is so great right now. And a lot of sports fans don't want to hear that because they're like, well, how is your life great? And the Lakers are like ninth place. They're not, they might not make the playoffs, so they got to go to the playing game. How dare you be happy in the midst of being garbage like this? Um, but we know the various reasons of why, you know, LeBron probably thinks life is, you know, couldn't be better right now. Um, at this point, it's probably no, not even any longer about championships. Nah. I think he, it, all, it, it, he it, already it, it, understands it, 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 with the groves of people he has in his corner that he doesn't have to get six chips to be in the conversation with Michael Jordan because he's already been in that conversation. Wow. For the people who think he's it's, in that conversation. It's funny. Oh, man. So LeBron and his minions or his inner sanctum, they realize that if it comes down to championships, they can't. They don't have a leg to stand yeah, so on already in terms of competing with Mike. So now I've got to be a stat pattern. I have to aggregate as many stats as I can to say at the end of the career, look at look at all of the stats I have in comparison to Mike. Not even on a per game basis, right? Because per game, in a lot of stats, and funny enough, a lot of defensive stats, LeBron doesn't stand up. So it's got to be on a overall collection standpoint, and that's what he's going at. He's patting stats. He's getting the numbers to be able to say, I've accumulated this much or this many, which is my case for greatest of all time. That's what LeBron is doing. Legacy. Shout out to Casey Mack. He, he, in the game time chat, he put Aaron Judge. Um, so I'm assuming he's saying Aaron Judge is not vaccinated. But, you know, he's a Yankee god right now. So, <laughs> And he asked us if Brooklyn can beat Miami in the first round. See, that's, that's the problem. As much as everybody, as much as we, because this, this conversation has been one-sided with all the pundits. Everybody's like, man, with them being down in that seven for AC, man, nobody want to see Brooklyn in the first round. But at the same time, Brooklyn don't want to see the teams – in the first round that they would have to see being in the seventh and eighth seed. So it's a double-edged sword there. Like, yeah, we don't, nobody wants to see a team as talented as Brooklyn when you worked your ass off to be the number one seed, the number two seed in the conference. So I understand why people harp on that even more. But Brooklyn, a team that probably feels without the injuries that we would be up there with those teams, they don't want to see the Bucks or the Sixers or anybody like that in the first round either. So, you know, hey, at some point you got to get it in. So it is what it is. Get it in. All right, but shout-out to LeBron um, leading the league in scoring at this age and this stage in your your career. That's impressive, definitely impressive. Um, Our quote of the week, and we're going to talk about this real quick. I'm tired of people thinking that us players are asking for the same type of money as NBA players. We are asking for the same percentage of revenue shared with our, with our, within our CBA. NBA players receive around 50% of shared revenue within their league, whereas we receive around 20%. And that is from Kelsey Plum, WNBA star for the Aces. Do you agree with that sentiment? Because, you know, people always have this argument about them making the same type of money and we know that's not possible. Do you agree that 
maybe their CBA could give them the same revenue share as the NBA? Um, do I agree? May could it make see? Like does that make more sense than than, it than them it getting it the does. same make, type of makes, money? It makes it makes much more sense. Me being at this stage of life where you know, as a as a entrepreneur, business person, or whatever. Listen, you don't get what you're worth. You get what you negotiate. And so do you possess the leverage to negotiate that type of deal with the powers that be? That's the question. Like, it, 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 I, I don't know whether gaining sympathy of public opinion gives you the leverage you want to get that deal done. Go ahead. Let me, let me give you, because you're an astute businessman, and you probably just haven't. I, I just happened to look into the numbers on this whole thing. And I'm going to tell you why even this request of a higher split of the revenue makes no sense and can't happen, can't be negotiated into the deal. And the WNBA, first of all, you know, for the people out there who don't know why they can't make the same type of money as the men, they don't generate the same type of revenue. On a yearly basis, the WNBA averages $60 million in revenue. You might say, ooh, $60 million, that's a lot of money. The NBA, who they're asking, you know, equal salaries, generates <laughs> 10 to $12 billion in revenue. So that's why NBA players make the salaries they make in comparison to WNBA players. Now, the reason we go down to this, because this would be like, okay, this makes more sense as, uh, you know, something that you're asking for. But then when you look into the numbers, it makes no sense either. Remember I just told you $60 million is what they bring in in revenue? Yeah, I think they lose, their operating they lose money cost, too. Their, their, op, their average operating cost is $70 million. So the WNBA <laughs> every year is operating at a loss of $10 million from the jump. Do you know how they're even still afloat as a league? Because yeah, they the can NBA. subsidize by the league that these women keep coming at for equal salary. They are paying your salaries. You wouldn't even make what you're making if it wasn't for what the NBA yeah. makes. So yeah. you can't get 50% of nothing. Yeah. They can't afford yeah. to they, give you more money because they're not even the ones paying your salary. They are being subsidized by the NBA to even put it in their operating costs to pay the players of the WNBA. So this is not me saying this because I'm against them. I wish there was a way because they put in just as much hard work as these dudes, but it's just a different game entertainment-wise. And until they can bring in that type of revenue, it's never going to happen. The salary will never equate, and the revenue split will never equate because they can't afford to split that much revenue with you because – they're already operating from a $10 million loss. So if it's not for the $10 billion per year that the NBA is making, the people that y'all keep complaining about, this league wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be in existence right now. Like, how long can you operate on a $10 million loss if nobody's throwing you money to stay afloat? Right. So they kind of need to look into stuff like a lot of these college educated women and you know a lot of them graduated because you know 
not a lot of one and dones in the WNBA. Like a lot of these women might have skipped econ one on one when you know when they were talking about supply, demand, revenue, operating costs. Like y'all gotta pay attention to that kind of stuff before you just out here on Twitter, like saying crazy stuff because you know there's a lot of idiots in the world who know no better and will just jump on the bandwagon with whatever you say. We sympathize with you. But it's just not possible. It's just not possible. I don't want to spend too much time because we got to move on and get out of here. But before we talk about what happened while y'all were on the Grizz Nae this week, we're going to go to the phone lines. We got the homie uh, Tobias calling in from out in Arizona. What up, Tobias? Roll damn tide. What's up? Roll damn tide. Softball is coming up, and we want a national power in softball. Let's go. But uh, I did make a bunch of money bet against the Alabama basketball team last week. I told y'all Notre Dame was going to beat them. Uh, It's a problem when you, like, take, like, I think they eighth or ninth in three-point attempts, but number 290-something in three-point percentage. Maybe, just maybe, Coach Oates, a mid-range shot ain't so bad after all. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, y'all were talking about that WNBA, and I was going to say that, that the NBA's been paying them. They've been living off of that. And if the WNBA was a men's league, it would have folded 20 years ago. That's all, I'm going to be honest. That's the only reason it's still open right now because the women's league. Because if they were shut down, it would have been all kinds of hell. Yeah, I mean, because if they were a men's league, they would be in direct competition with the NBA. I mean, yeah. the NBA is pretty much – I mean, they were men's uh, pretty much, big three would have took them out. But they're, 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 they're keeping afloat two leagues. You know, you got the WNBA and you got the G League. Like, the NBA yeah. is subsidizing both of these leagues for them to be in existence. So you really can't expect equality with the people that's dragging you along. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm not putting that on G the men. Make a 30 women. A year. I mean, women's game is much more fundamental. Like, truthfully, if I want my kids to learn basketball, I, I, you know, if if I could stomach it, <laughs> entertainment-wise, I would flip on a women's game and let them watch yep. that because it's not realistic that everybody's going to be flying around the court, shooting 40-foot three-pointers, uh, you know, and doing the stuff that the, the men do. But frankly, if you're in it mostly for entertainment, then it doesn't even compare for you. So everybody's not yep. looking at basketball hey. from a coaching standpoint and, and a teaching standpoint. And, and that's why it's never going to grow like that. You know, the, yep. even the women that are dunking now, like they're, they're excited when a, a woman, you know, two times a year gets a fast break and, and dunks looking like somebody from the 60s stretching up there to dunk. Like, that's not a just a fast break on Nintendo. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sleepy floor. So you got to understand. Floor revenue, over the front man. of the rim. People aren't paying yeah. to see that. But uh, you're right. But not enough You're people. right, yeah. Yeah, and y'all talking about the transgender athletes. I think that guy probably, I posted in that group chat, the dude probably made the damn jump. He'd probably be the cover athlete for Johnsonville Sausage. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but thoughts I looked it up. Tobias, this, <laughs> or, um, Tobias yeah. makes me a not war room sports. <laughs> My name's Fred Purdue by the rec for the record, everybody. But, uh, <laughs> but he broke the record, hundred meter world record, like a nine six. He could have gone faster if he didn't start celebrating. To be honest, 
Flojo world record is 10.4. Right. The and, guy, and dude played and around and top. got a 9.6. Yeah. Dude, I looked up like the time. And got a 9.6. Yeah. Oh, I looked up the times for this past Olympics. The Chinese dude who finished second the last time because other two guys just qualified, he ran a 9.8. The Chinese guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and what what people don't get is this affects scholarships for girls. If you got a daughter, they they looking at how she finished, not who they going up against, and uh and that does affect that. And also, you know, and parents out there who's going along with this, well, your baby girl got got to take out a student loan instead of a scholarship because old dude put on a wig and took over and won every race convincingly. By the way, this dude's six foot five. He's the size of an NBA two guard out there swimming against women who probably no taller than five seven already. So I just think that sometimes every because I hate to tell people this, there's nothing equal in life. There's gonna be some groups who have an advantage, some group doesn't. You may have to have a separate designation. Hell, by the way, do you see men complaining they don't make as much money as OnlyFans as women do, especially <laughs> women athletes? No. So everything ain't equal in life. Maybe you need to have a separate category for a transgender athlete. And, uh, yeah. and that would be fine as well. I know they may not seem like it, but, hey, just the way it is, in my opinion. I mean, they have everything else. Like, they have Special Olympics, Paralympics. You really might have to start doing that. And it's okay, you know. Uh, because I know a lot of women were cool with them be like, oh, they're just like women until one of them finished very high in a beauty contest, and I was like, who the hell you finished finished behind that person? It was hilarious. They got mad then in the beauty contest and they lost. But uh, <laughs> I remember that one. But y'all talking about these like Baker Mayfield, right? And uh, we just have to be honest about him. He's not trash, but he was overdrafted based on his talent level. Way overdrafted. I mean, he could be in the top. Yeah. He could have been the tenth pick, and he'd still be overdrafted. He's just not yeah, what he thinks he is. Now, y'all know college football, my favorite sport. Lamar Jackson was passer, was a damn good passer in college, under a complicated Bobby Petrino offense. If y'all know who Bobby Petrino is, he was the coach that got into the motorcycle accident with a side chick and showed up to the press conference with a neck break, like he was Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how they and it's like you got these Baker Mayfield truthers here's the one damning thing about Baker Mayfield he got Odell Beckham looking washed we were questioning Odell like is he washed as soon as he got with Matt Stafford he, it's, it's like he had a fountain of youth and yeah, if you're a good quarterback good. you should be making guys who that good look washed at his age and, and, and teammates don't like him. Nope. Name me a teammate who spoke up for him. People who speak up for Baker Mayfield are like hot take people who say, well, before he got to the Browns, they won one, they passed 30-something games. I'm like, well, damn, they, they, they could have turned that around with Tyrod Taylor that year if he didn't get hurt. Are we looking at quarterback wins there? That's not a stat. And, and here's the other thing with Baker. Jake <laughs> Chubb came out the same year as him. So he had Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, two Pro Bowl backs, a top five offensive line in the NFL, a Hall of Fame pass rusher, Miles Garrett. He had a good defense. And Kevin Stefanski is a good coach. 
Hold on, keep no, keep going. Jarvis Landry, he has yep. some bionic tight ends. He has uh, Odell. Yes, Joku. Yes. Joku. I mean, they, they, you know, Cleveland was supposed to be, they were supposed to be that work. But, I mean, it's Cleveland. They always going to find a way yeah. to round it up. Like, I don't believe that. Like, they yeah. got to finally it's, show me something before I, it, it, I don't it, matter what it, kind here's of Here's the other thing is. about it. Many quarterbacks who get drafted super high, Jesus, they didn't get all that. Like, even, even Stafford. We got to be honest about this. When he had one competent coach in Detroit, David Caldwell, he actually won some games. He made the playoffs a couple of times, you know. Uh, most of these, hell, even Cincinnati, we don't know that guy can coach. But, you know, it, 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 it just saying Baker had a lot of support. And and I think that with Deshaun Watson, he getting that money. One, Patrick Mahomes probably sitting there pie face right now. That why did I get this guy a twelve year friendly team friendly deal? But at the same time, I think Deshaun Watson is an awesome quarterback. But do you think they kind of making him a last time he's not great, but tap it overrated? No, of course. I mean, and plus it's the you know you haven't seen him in a while, so his legend gets to grow a little bit. Like I definitely the way the kind of attention that he's gotten throughout you know, his whole ordeal, I'm like, damn, I was like, when did Sean Watson become that good that people are valuing him like this? But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I you was know your legend like, grows when you're nice. away from the game. He's like, yeah. man, he kind of nice, but damn. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, All right, hurry up, everybody. I got to get out of here, man. Now, I'll say this. The basketball they practice started about, like, minutes ago. They, see, I want my quarterback on my favorite team to get to a level where it's everybody else's fault if he doesn't perform. Uh, that's what I want uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, because that's, he had the same playoff record as those other backs had, like Brock Osweiler, T.J. Yates, similar records. It had good talent. And I'll say this one last thing. Y'all talk about the quarterbacks and stuff. You, these teams are right to set out this quarterback draft. They're hyping up Malik Willis, but to quote the great friend Priscilla, he's two years away from being two years away because I watched him. Uh, yeah. He got a so you know, his thing is, draft. He has a strong arm, but at this point, like, okay, what else? Like, you can't yeah, just have that in the NFL. Definitely helps. In 2023, you got five quarterbacks who go in the first round who are pretty good. And on my last thing, I'm out, guys. You can't compare him to Josh Allen, Malik Woods, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, because both of them went to coaches and teams that were invested in crafting their systems around them. If you go to a system where they won't craft it around your skill set, you are in trouble. So it's it's not about how high you go as a quarterback. It's about where you go because most of the quarterbacks, the high-take media that are great, didn't go to the worst teams in the league. But, hey, you guys have a good one, man, and y'all take it easy. Right. Peace. No doubt. Roll time, be awesome. Peace. <laughs> All right, so real quick, we're going to get into what happened this week while y'all were on the grind. Uh, and, of course, that is brought to you by Digital Extreme Technologies. Do you or your business need a custom website? Well, for dynamic, professional, and most of all, affordable custom website solutions, you need Digital Extreme Technologies. No need to break the bank for an effective online presence. Top quality, results-driven websites at incredibly affordable prices. And, yes, financing options are available. So visit DigitalExtremeTech.com or call 267-205-4203. 
And for discounted rates, be sure to tell them War Room Sports sent you. All right, real quick, man. What happened while y'all were on the grind this week, man? Deion Sanders, he has a video where he's calling out NFL teams that did not show up to Jackson State University's pro day. Now, most of the time, I think 24 teams um, came by. And this is uh, a quote from Dion. He said, 24 teams, 24 teams came to witness our kids yesterday in its entirety. And I appreciate you. But there's 32 teams in this Crayola box. Therefore, the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Texans, the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Ravens, the Panthers, the Browns, the Vikings, and yes, be Austin, your Eagles, where art thou? You could have sent somebody, man. You could have shown up just a little bit. Um, he said, I guarantee you that, that you're going to Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I guarantee you you're going to show up there. I understand you're saying they have more talent. I understand. Guess what? We're coming. We're coming. We're coming. And when we arrive, you better be here because our kids deserve it. So what do you think? You, I mean, yo. Do you think Dion should be First doing of all, this type of stuff? He's been a great spokesperson yes. for Jackson State and HBCU. Yo, but does this yeah, come across he, as kind of like whiny? Or it 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 is it is. I can see that perspective, but I don't mind, man. I don't mind because it's, you it's, need somebody with a voice like Dion's to even do this. My like a voice because he's one of those guys where his cachet. In, in in his life is so large and he has walked the walk to where it's legitimate coming from him. And I kind of place it like, you know, it's the race, it's the race card. We couldn't play the card if y'all didn't put us in the game and give it and deal us the hand. Dealt the hand. So I'm not, I'm not mad at it at all. Um, salute to him for what he's doing with that program. Salute to him for supporting um, HBCUs, small schools. Salute to him for building out Jackson State. I, I, like, I'm not mad, man. I'm not. I don't buy, it doesn't bother no, me at I all. Say, Salute like, to him for doing it. Because it would come across as, like, whiny if it was any other. If it was, like, some unnamed, some, some no-name yeah. uh, HBCU coach. But Dion has to do this. Because he's the spokesperson yeah. that, that has a big enough voice to do this. So I, I definitely understand it as well. I mean, at this, on, the, at, right, on right. the same accord, these teams don't have to send anybody to the pro day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. call them out. No, they don't see, if you can, see if you can guilt them to coming out and watching. Because a lot of times you may find somebody at one of these pro, pro days. So if Dion got to do what he got to do to get them out there, then I'm with you. I'm with it. Um Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam had some words on the Heat's bench during a timeout last night uh, against mm-hmm. an undermanned Warriors team that doesn't have any of their quote-unquote big three. Um, mm-hmm. Miami went into uh, – was it the – it was they started the third quarter. Um, well, they let Golden State start the third quarter on a 19-0 run. So during a timeout <laughs> amid this run – Jimmy Butler and Coach Spo had some things to say to each other, and then Haslam jumped in. They exchanged words. Um, you can read Haslam's lips. He was first saying, he said something like, we're not your enemies. Like, take that to them, talking to the, about the other team. Like, do that out there with them. We're not your enemies. And then when Jimmy must have said something, his, his face was turned, so you couldn't see what he said. That's when you started to see 
Haslam saying, I beat your ass. I beat your ass. And, some, and they had to get in between them. So <laughs> people were clowning saying Jimmy probably told him, like, sit your cheerleading ass down. And Haslam yeah, probably got upset. You about, to, you, about to, you, about to steal my, you about to steal my thunder. No, okay, okay. Like, well, you got it. Why is he at the game? I mean, and it's his right to be at the game, but why is he on the bench? This is why he needs what to retire. He, and he, I'm not saying, Jimmy Butler, we know how Jim, Jimmy Butler can get. Judging by what Udonis said when he was like, bring that to them, it was probably one of those Jimmy calls out the rest of the team moments. And he's gotten yeah. away with that in Minnesota. He's gotten away with that a little bit in Chicago. He's gotten away with that in Philly because he didn't have anybody else on the team who was going to stand up to you in that regard? A lot of a lot of cats on those teams. No pun intended. A lot of kitty cats. Yo, in Miami, you they this, got their you they got their forever bodyguard. So yo, you're not going to get that off because they got their forever yo, bodyguard. Because because the old voodoo lady that protects the <laughs> Zoes got Udonis a job indefinitely. Like boy, in a way. You could be happy for Bull, but in another way, you could say Udonis. First of all, you're stealing, and not just money. You're stealing a, a roster opportunity for someone who's younger, better, more athletic. Why are you here? B, in the last three seasons, what have you seen Udonis do besides beef with somebody? That's his job. Other now than, he's beefing with his own teammates. Fact, other than the fact that y'all keep reminding me, I'd be like, yo, is he still in the league? Last season, it and was, why? Uh, last season it was Dwight Howard. Season before that, like all that's his job now. He's the enforcer, but you know usually enforcers are on the floor to enforce on the court. But in 2022, they don't file people hard anyway, so you don't need enforcers on the court. So you just give them two million dollar contracts every year and let them talk shit from the bench. <laughs> Yo, that's, boy, that's, like a he's an Oakley. He's but that's he's a 2022 Oakley. But back then, Oakley had to get right on the court to be in. Yeah, pretty much. All right, so last but not least, man, talking about St. Peter, uh, B. Austin's odds-on favorite to win the whole tournament. Shout-out to Shaheen Holloway and his group. But this is showing you how quickly things can change. (laughs) They probably didn't know this dude's name before the tournament, but their guard, Doug Eater, (laughs) white dude, he announced on Instagram that he signed an NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings amid his team's recent recent success. So all you got to do is get in the oh, tournament man. and crack somebody's head for two games. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. 2022, boy. Can't be mad at him. I'm robbing him. I'm robbing him back with a cold crush. Cold crush, brother. Let me tell you his averages in 31 games this season. He's averaging 9.7 points per game. <laughs> but. You come out there and you play well in a win against Kentucky, and you play well against Murray State, and now you the man. You the man. So shout out to him. Um, shout out man. to you know, players. Shout out to players even being able to do that these days, man. Shout out. He's he getting them back for the O'Bannon. Yeah. I mean, he a white guy, though, so. O'Bannon's well, probably did it for the for the colors, but at the same time, for all for all collegiate athletes. All, all right, so before we get out of here, man, I got to let y'all know what happened this date in sports history, which is brought to you by Sports the Book. Y'all know what it is, man. Get your copy of Sports the Book at uh, 
WarroomSports.com or SportsTheBook.com. It is written by Warroom Sports' own Jimmy the Blueprint. Um, this date in sports history, and before I read the one that, you know, we teed up for the show, we definitely had one given to us in uh, the chat room from Neil, who's a big wrestling fan. Um, and this one is really more of a birthday shout-out. Today is Mark Calloway's birthday. He was born May 24th, 1965. Mark Calloway is better known to you lay folks as The Undertaker. So happy birthday. Shout out to The Undertaker, who was born on this day in 1965. But this date in sports history, um, March 24th, just three years ago, 2019, two-time American League MVP Mike Trout signs the biggest contract in North American sports history with a 12-year, $426.5 million extension with the Los Angeles Angels to hit a little white ball with a stick. So shout out to to Mike Trout. Get your money. (laughs) $426. Yo, even if we were talking about, because, you know, those are kind of contracts, you know, they're getting over there in the world of football, soccer, international soccer. But hang on front. First of all, playing a whole sport with your feet, come on, man. That's that's some skilled-ish right there. I'm not saying Yo. baseball not, though, because I still think maybe the no, hardest thing a, to do in No, hitting a ball coming sports. at you that fast. I'm about to say, that's, that's hitting, amazing. the hardest thing to do in sports is probably to hit a little white ball that's coming at you at 90-plus miles an hour. Sometimes with all kinds y'all of y'all don't be understanding why I still love Manny Manny Ramirez. <laughs> right. So shout out. That's that's you know that's probably two of the hardest things to do in sports, man. Hitting that little baseball, um, man. Playing a whole game with your feet, um, skating while running around, hitting a, a little puck with a stick. And I ain't gonna front. We used to you know we used to laugh when Jimmy used to say it wasn't a sport, but Shit, how hard is it to play golf? For real, for real. This just don't take a lot of athleticism, but that you know, that take a lot of skill. So shout Yo, out to Mike Trout. Uh, get your money, cuz. Since we since we talking that big money talk, man, I just want to go back go. to the greatest contract to the greatest contract in history, man. Shout out to Leo Messi, six hundred seventy four million dollars over four years. Yo, that's crazy. All right, and with that, man, we'd like to give a, a war room salute I got to all the big money deals out there, but we out of here, man. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for joining us for another briefing in the war room. Shout out to all uh, the the callers. Well, shout out to Tobias, who called in and chopped it up with us. Shout out to the couple of callers that we didn't get to because we took so long with Tobias and his whole segment. Um, but tune in next week uh, live right here. Or on demand as we catch you up on all the important sports, entertainment, and life stories of the week. Oh, of course, shout out to everybody in the chat room, Neil, Skyview, everybody on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, group chat, all of that. But until next week, when we're back, enjoy the rest of your weekend, your weekend. Stay safe in these streets. Keep your head on the swivel. We'll see you right back here next time. Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our blogs, webcasts and network podcasts on warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up a copy of Jimmy's book at sportsthebook.com or warroomsports.com. But until next time, everybody, y'all know what it is. Don't accept mediocrity.
be steadfast in the war against ignorance, and we'll see you chumps on top. www.warroomsports.com What? Ain't no more to it.